Welcome back to episode six of the Divided Opinion podcast. As always, I'm sure you know by now, but my name is Joel and I'm joined by Henry. How are we today, Wes? I have something planned here to ask you if you were buzzing off last night, last night's result, but is that not the case? Uh, no, I'm feeling a bit sore. Is it? All right. In this episode, we'll be starting with some Europa League final discussion, which I'm sure you're looking forward to getting into, West. Yeah, buzzing. Then we will give you our predictions for Saturday's Champions League final, plus we are going to attempt to dissect. This is a conversation I was dreading as well, but we're going to try and dissect what went wrong for Leicester on the final day and for the course of the season. Yeah, it's something I dreaded might happen. Um, then we might finish on a bit of general football chat, transfer news, anything you want to talk about, West. Got a couple of questions that you guys have sent in. Yeah, but if we before we get into the episode, if you enjoy it, share it. If you know someone else that might be a fan, give the podcast a follow or subscribe, depending on what platform you're using. But there's no pressure. Should we get into the episode? Yeah, let's do it. We better start with <laughs> the fallout from last night. <laughs> so Villarreal won, Manchester United won after extra time. Goals from Moreno and Cavani. And then 11-10, Villarreal win on penalties. David De Gea missing the final one. Of course he did. <laughs> I mean, where do we start? I don't know. I, I'm still feeling a bit lost for words, really. A little bit numb. I just don't know. I, I just don't. I can't still work out what happened. I think it was a mix of. I think. I, I do. I, I do back Solskjaer, and I do, I do think he will eventually get us back to where we possibly want to be, but. I think most of it's got to be down on him last night. I just think the the in-game management, the that the fact that he waited till the was it the half time of extra time to make his first substitution. Yeah, and I could I could hear the commentators actually like uh, talking about it, saying near the end of the actual normal time whether it could actually come back and haunt United, whether the legs would go a bit and. I think we got. I think we got away with extra time of not losing an extra time because I think Villarreal in that extra time they were by far the better team. Yeah, but I just don't know. If there was a way that Villa, I'd expect Villarreal to approach that game, Unai Emery, and if there was a way I could if see them winning, that would have been the way it would have been. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it was just a dogged. You, you've got to give credit to them. At the end of the day, everyone could talk about United and how they had the better team. They should have won on paper and. All this sort of stuff, how disappointing it is, which it is. But at the end of the day, you've still got Unai Emery. He's a, he's a master at that level. It's his fourth Europa League. Yeah. In about six years, I think. So. Um, yeah. yeah four, got, he's had, he's been in five uh, Europa League finals now, and yeah, he's won four of them. Top yeah. top manager in history. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an amazing record. But um, I seen the stat that was said. Well, I posted actually on the Divided Opinion account. He's won four, and all Premier League clubs combined have won two. Not combined, but all managers, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to give them credit. They, they stuck to their job, didn't they? And they, they, they went just but it, went all just, game. And let's just start from the beginning, though, because I thought first fifteen, I thought United were pretty relentless. I yeah, thought they looked like you were going to dominate. Yeah, I and I'd say you did dominate for the course of the game. I think you were the better side, but as yeah. we've seen. Villarreal weren't ever going to come out and try and dominate possession. No. So yeah. in their eyes, they were the better side because they implemented their, their game, game plan. plan. And, yeah, and they won at the end of the day, so they're the ones could be happy. But um, yeah, you, you almost played into. Oh that. yeah, I was just sort of waiting for that first goal, and I thought maybe two or three would flow after that. But 
Uh, it was always going to be a tough night as soon as they got their first goal. It was that but, first goal. But it? when Cavani scored, it must have been, what, the 50th minute or something? And in my head, the only the, the way United went after them after that, I thought it's only going to end up 2 or 3-1 here, and that's what you expect when United go behind. But it, It's that with United, though. It's... Because I was, I mean, we watched the we were watching the game together yesterday, and I can't remember the exact period of the game, but it was around the second half. You were pushing for that second goal, and Shaw, likes of Shaw, Pogba, Rashford, playing it around nicely around the edge of the area, playing nice football. You look sharp. It's it with United, the attacking players you've got would go into any team in world football. Rashford and Green were two of the best talents England have had for a long time. Mm. Cavani, one of the best goal scorers Europe's seen. And then Bruno, when it obviously goes without saying. It really, all of these issues, and I've seen you link to the Harlands and the Sanchos, but all your issues seem to be at the back, in the middle. You lack players that are going to, in those games where you need to just run the midfield, because that is where games are won and lost. Yeah, And that's where you could have just kept, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think... Those kind of positions are really where United need to be focused. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right, but I don't even, I don't even think last night was a case of the battle being lost in midfield because I actually thought the best player on the pitch in the actual night of minutes was probably Scott McTominay. Yeah, I agree. Actually, but it's just that back that uh, that was cent- the defence. That centre back pairing. The centre back pairing is just take Maguire out of that team and it's it's a bang average sort of mid table level centre half pairing that. And people can you get we've had enough of this year with United fans banging on about how well first it was Maguire needs to be dropped. He's he's a fridge, he's a fraud, he's all this sort of nonsense. And then he gets injured, people soon start to realise that no, he wasn't the problem, he was actually the saviour, if anything. Like United would be a lot worse off this season. They probably wouldn't even be in the top four if it wasn't for Maguire. And people are calling for Bai saying when he's fit he's the best defender we've got, but it, then he's not, is he? No. Last night showed. Like, <laughs> is he fit? Like I seen him hobbling off in training before yeah. the game. Even Rashford. I mean, Rashford was talking after the game, and he was saying that five or six of them were playing through injuries. Yeah, he openly said that. Yeah, but he I literally d- was talking about them all sacrificing I bet, the I sacrifices bet, they make. I bet every Premier League team has half their team playing like this. But no, nah, but Sol, yeah, but Solskjaer mismanages his players like no one I've ever seen. Someone like uh, if. Obviously, drawing a comparison to Leicester, Ricardo Pereira is a huge player for us and very important player. But we don't play him when he's 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 been unfit and he's looked leggy, mm-hmm. so we take him out the firing line. With Rashford, I don't think I've ever seen a player more mismanaged. At this yeah, point. he's because he, yeah, he was he was probably probably the worst player on the pitch last night. Rashford, in all fairness, he looks knackered. But yeah, he's I think he is due surgery after the Euros, but. Yeah, for the last few months, he's yeah he's carrying three or four injuries. I think shoulder injury, ankle injury, a back injury, and it's just, he just needs two or three months. I think just away from football, just to recover and get his body back to what it was because he's it's just it's not making it, it's not doing him any favors. I I know with United that you're used to an embarrassment of riches and the depth you're used to is ridiculous, but. The likes of Donny van der Beek, I mean, he's gone to Champions League semi-finals and played excellently. You've got Alex Tellez, who was seen as like one of Europe's kind of 
best left backs or up and co- maybe not up and coming, but he's yeah, he's seen as a he had a good football pedigree around you. Yeah. The likes of I mean, even a Diallo is meant to be this new incredible talent. You just Solskjaer does not have any trust in anybody on that bench, does he? No. And how is Donny van der Beek not coming onto the pitch? No. Bringing who who was it? Tuanzebe and and who came on? Matic. Matic. With when they're searching for a goal. United should never have ever have been in their heads in that extra time thinking, let's get this to penalties because it's just something about English clubs, isn't it? And penalty shootouts. You yeah. just never feel confident. It sort of filters its way through down from the uh, national team. And it's just. But you've got to say, them Villarreal penalties were. Well, United scored all of them apart from De Gea, but it, it they was, never looked both like missing. Keepers looked pretty poor. To be da, yeah, De Gea. I mean, seen loads of stuff this morning about how maybe United should have took Hen- put Henderson on just before the penalty shootout. And I. Obviously, yeah, we in hindsight, we could have won it if we had him in the net, but um, I, did, I don't think that was the right decision. I think it would have been very disrespectful to take him off just before the shootout, but that performance in the penalty shootout, was, it was embarrassing, actually, from De Gea. It was just... Uh, I, it was did I, I called it to you, didn't I, for every single penalty. I said, look at him, he'll go two seconds before the key, the players even ran up to the ball. Yeah. And he, he just he just guides that the player shooting where to put that penalty. But he isn't a presence, is he? You He's don't look pre- him no. in the goal and think, how am I going to get it past no. him? But then that penalty that he he took as well at the end, it was, it was I don't think you can blame him for that. I think you can. I think you've got... The, to, the not saving the ones before, you can. But I think shoot, I don't know. You just, sm- if you just smash it, don't you, if you're a keeper. You don't try and place it like that. But I don't Slow surely the keeper's not, it's not <laughs> the know, keeper's. But but it was his fault that he didn't save any. He should have saved some. Oh, I but I weren't impressed with the other keeper either. No. Well, if it's 11-10 in the shootout, it probably says something, doesn't it? Yeah. But they were good pens. Yeah, they're all good penalties. Villarreal never looked like missing a penalty. No. But, um, but it's ha- just, yeah, it's just disappointing. It really is. How does this affect your assessment of got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Because it was interesting. I really thought you were going to win last night. Mm-hmm. So I prepared a f- few bits on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, I was ready to give him my stamp of approval, or seal of approval. I've seen a, a BBC article about Solskjaer. And he's actually the, f- uh, the first manager since Ferguson retired to, t- to take United to, f- to back-to-back top three finishes. Hmm. Since uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, how does yeah, how does this alter your assessment of Solskjaer, the job he's doing? Is he still the right man? Well, I think last night, I think he said it after it is fine margins, isn't it? This sort of thing, it's basically one one or two kicks away from a penalty spot. But that's from being yeah, from being judged as a pretty good season for United, second place and comfortable second place in the trophy. Without the trophy, that you can still look and say, yeah, Man United are progressing. They are getting back to closer to where they want to be. I still think they're they're a good distance off with the players they have from the likes of City. I think Liverpool next season will be really strong again as well. I, f- I still, yeah, you can still say he's that we're going in the right direction. But like Paul Scholes said, you've got a you're at Man United. You can't success isn't finishing top four every season, not winning a trophy. You've and but this is own. We're talking about this like we've just lost maybe like a Champions League final. Like this is just this is something we should have been winning the Europa League. 
that's the, the squad on paper from when we got knocked out of the Champions League. We had by far in that whole tournament the best squad on paper. Yeah, absolutely. United should be going and winning that game last night, two or three nil. But you just—that's what I don't understand. You've got Villarreal, who you're against, setup, bringing yeah. on Coquelin and players like that. They couldn't even get an Arsenal. Mm. You've got Donny Van der Beek, a forty million, thirty-five million pound sign, literally can't get on the pitch. It's just so weird that one. Mm. I mean, why? It's all obviously it's all very simple in retrospect to look back, but with Sancho, I think you wanted to pay around eighty million, was it? And they wanted about one hundred and ten. Yeah. So if you just paid that eighty million and paid the 30 million you paid for van der Beek and just not got van der Beek yeah Sancho could have been yours yeah and I know it doesn't work as simply as that but it's just with United it seems some of the decisions that, that are made by those at the top you're just racking your brain like what what mm. was the thought process behind it people have sat in a boardroom and thought about this yeah yeah but that's maybe that's the issue. It doesn't feel like a lot of thought was put into the Van der Beek signing. No. That Solskjaer, the owners kind of just maybe just threw him a, pa- a piece of paper with a few names on that they knew they could get for a decent price. Yeah. Well, I think it's just a case of really, they they take the, yeah they they will take the easy option, won't they? Do the people up top at United? They'll if so much. Look at going, looking like it might be a little bit too tough to do a deal with. They'll just sort of go for that alternative where they know they can get him for probably a cheaper price as well. And I think Van der Beek's a, a good player. Obviously, we've not really seen much from United, so it's hard to judge him what he's done here because he's not had a chance at all. So I don't even think you can call it, you can't call him a flop. No, because he's generally played about must have played about two full games maybe at United this season. But um. Yeah, no, I rate that. I don't even know. Yeah. And that's why it's Maybe so we'll frustrating. Maybe we'll see the best of him next season. You just think on a European night, you'd yeah. be the guy who'd relish it. And he's great on the ball. He's he's bigger than people give him credit yeah, for. Yeah, and you can get him, put himself about. He's good defensively and stuff. He can get back. He, do a sim- he can do a very similar, probably better job than someone like Fred. Do you not think hop- yesterday you could have just dropped him next to P- McTominay and then put Pogba where Rashford was? Yeah. Because Rashford, I don't know like how said, Rashford he was stel- not off How did he stand the pitch? I mean, it's penalty. 20 minutes. That was what he's your penalty taker. Yeah, you? yeah, of course. But it's, it should, we shouldn't have been going for penalties, should we? If anything, Greenwood should have stayed on the pitch last night, and Rashford should have come off way earlier because he was absolutely awful, Rashford. Mm. And I've been, I, I always, I do back Rashford. He is, we all know like what he can do. He is an amazing footballer. But I was getting got into a bit of a conversation with a couple of mates yesterday about. Sort of who could start for England? Was it be Grealish or Rashford? And I was getting pelters for saying Rashford and stuff, but yeah, I feel like I might <laughs> change yeah. my mind after last night. I just think it's between Rashford or Sterling, isn't it? For me, for that left wing position. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think Rashford has done himself any favors. No, but I don't think it's his fault. I understand I that he'll want to play. Every he is playing game, through. Yeah, you can tell he's not right. He's so injury prone, and the lot. I've never, I've never seen a more injury-prone player that plays every game. I know, <laughs> like fair play, you've got to take your hat off to him. He wants to do, he wants to put his body, body through it for the team, and the club, and everything. But um, it's not healthy for anyone. It's not healthy for us because we're not getting anywhere near. We're getting like a sixty percent version of Marcus Rashford when everyone knows when he's hundred percent. And like, it's just a case of even if you look at little things on the pitch, like when he picks up the ball now, it's happened a lot this season. He's, he doesn't really go full throttle does he and take his players play, take his man on he sort of always looks like he's almost holding back because he's scared something might go 
And the way it is, if you want to be a successful team over a course of a season, you can't do it with 11 men. You cannot no, you do it. No. And with Solskjaer starving these squad players of any minutes and making it very clear to them that he doesn't trust them at all, they're seeing no progression at all. So they can't progress. So it's just it's going nowhere. Like You can only get so far, yet your first 11 is strong when you've got everyone fit. It just doesn't work like that. No. And by not allowing these players to come on and have a chance, you're giving them no chance to progress, which is giving you no chance to progress. There's no way that on that bench there isn't someone that could do a job for United that could come on and make a difference in a in a final. Yeah, I just refuse to believe that. And Solskjaer can't have this mentality for the rest of his career. No. He won't have any success. He has to be able to take risks. He has to be able to identify when a player can come on and do a job. Or yeah. Like, Even if, if you don't fully trust a player, if in that sort of game last night, if you're under the set, because in the extra time, United were under the caution. Villarreal were on top. and but They came back into they it. They had five they? players on. They looked fresh-legged. And yeah, they came straight back into it. And if you get into that point in extra time or maybe late in, in, in regular time where things aren't going for you, it is 1-1. Even if you don't necessarily trust her that a young lad like Ahmad or maybe a Langer or just try something different because obviously what was happening on the pitch last night up front, I thought Cavani was good. I think his work rate was good. Got back and he did he did play well. I thought McTominay, I thought Greenwood when he was on the pitch was really good. But for example, just like Rashford, like there was no evidence last night at all for Rashford to be on that pitch for longer than 50, 60 minutes. And he, played, he didn't show any signs played of 120 his, minutes. Like, vintage Rashford. No, he? no, and he, that's chance he missed as well. Obviously, I think it could have. I think it was going to be offside from Bruno, but yeah, still, like that's just it. Just shows you his mindset at the moment, Rashford. And it's not great to see because a fully fit far in Rashford is it's a scary proposition for for most defenses. But at the moment, it's just not going for him because he's got so many injuries holding him back and. He's just got a lot of responsibility as well, Rashford, now. He is the poster boy, whether yeah. he likes it or not. And through the work he's done off the pitch, and admirably so, he's become, he has become, yeah, like a poster boy for English football. And yeah. there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. Yeah. And if I'm honest, I thought I would we would have seen his performances drop on the pitch a long time before this. Been actually quite impressed about how focused he has still been on his football. I just think a lot of these players, they need a break. It's what they need. Yeah. And they're going to go off to the Euros now in the summer. And then I don't know. I don't know how long they're going to get off. Probably a couple of weeks, if that. After, yeah. Yeah. It's There's no... as Irrelevant to how much money they're making and how much sympathy you can give a footballer. They are human at the end of the day. And we want them performing at their top of their game for our viewing pleasure. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no point having footballers all knackered because it's going to make the games just boring. Like yesterday wasn't a vintage final, was it? No, but uh, with, yeah, a lot of finals aren't vintage, are they? Because it's sort of everyone's cagey, everyone's sort of scared of losing, doing the wrong thing. But yesterday was kind of showed um, evidence of just tired, tired legs and tired yeah, players. It's sort of one of them things. Yeah, United have. It was. I think they've played over almost seventy games this season in all competitions. Not saying it's an excuse because United should have won. They did more. I think they did more than enough in the in the normal time to win the game. Didn't create too many clear cut chances, but they should still have been winning that game. Whether you whether you like it or not, whether Villarreal did do well, they did do well. They're dogged. They've 
they just played out the skin, didn't they, all game. They kept going, which is fair play. And in the end, yeah, they deserved it because they won. But It always does just come back to this thing with the owners, though, for me. And the fact that Ollie didn't get backed in the summer. Mm. You just can't really put too much blame on him, no. in my opinion. You can't... I'd say I wouldn't say he's overachieved. Overachieved this season. I think he's achieved. Yeah. Like a, a de- like I think he's achieved the bare minimum, really, for United fans to still be happy and to still see some progress. Yeah, but, I think it was just mass. I think last night was so important, though. I think we needed to win that trophy, and I think whether that tro- winning that trophy last night would have sort of been like a cat- catapult to go and win more stuff next year, we'll never know. United still might go and recruit well in the summer. And go and win some, maybe a big trophy next season. But past experience tells you that's unlikely. Feels like it could just end up being another one of these seasons where maybe maybe next season we finish second or third without a trophy, and that's not what we want to see. It's not you don't you don't watch don't support your team and you don't watch football to, especially being a Man United fan. Obviously, I've grown up from watching teams like. <laughs> Obviously, it's always going to be. It's not going to be the same. But Ronaldo, Rooney, winning Champions League, Premier Leagues every year, and you and I was. I'm under no illusions. You're always going to go through stages of supporting a club where you don't, you don't win stuff all the time. And I, I was always aware in some some point in my lifetime it was going to be a point where United weren't going to be winning the big things every year. But eventually, you do need to start thinking. We do need to start getting a trophy back or two because four years now. It's a long time for someone like Man United to go without a trophy. It's a very long time. There's just a sign that United fans have just lowered their their expectations a bit. Yeah, well, I think that's I think that's only normal. I think I was thinking I was saying it to you yesterday. Look, you see loads of people before the game last night saying, even if we win tonight, we shouldn't be celebrating. It's the only Europa League we're Manchester United. These aren't our standards. But when, as much as it, it pains me to say, when you haven't won anything for seven or eight years, really what are your standards because them teams of Ronaldo Rooney and then the other generations of Van Nistelrooy's and Berbatov them teams that's not a no reflection from what we are now that's a completely different team all them players have retired now football moves on and life moves on and we shouldn't as much as we like we'd like to think yeah United should be winning the Premier League should be uh, challenging for Champions League trophies but you are what you are in the time and at this moment in time, this stage of our lives, Man United aren't, that isn't their standard. Their standard now is getting top four and trying to uh, bridge the gap to that next level to Manchester City and that's, unfortunately, that's what it is and I think some United fans just need to realise that a bit where we can't think we've got to win all these massive trophies yet because we haven't done it for so long. I mean, as much as I want us to, and I think, yeah, we're Man United, we should be doing it. This is our level at the moment, and people need to get used to it. And with these finals, it doesn't matter what the final is. It's about building a winning mentality. Yeah. It's about going into every game as if it is the biggest game of your career. Yeah. But it's like Ch- Chelsea losing the FA Cup final. Yeah, Champions League is where they will, if they could choose one of the two, Champions League is what they are gonna would want to choose. But... It is. It's all about building a winning, winning mentality. You can't have games. Some games you don't really care. Some no. The people at the top of the game that you see winning day in, day out. Yeah, the Manchester City. They don't. Uh, like, do you think Ronaldo's and the Ramos's, they didn't care about the Copa del Reyes or the Spanish like, yeah. Cups and things like that? 
they care about every single game. You can't, it just doesn't work like that. You can't just switch it on one game and think, oh, this is important. For a footballer, every trophy, because that's what your career is going to be remembered by, yeah. as trophies. I just, with United fan as well, well, we'll move on after this, but it must just be so frustrating because there's no reason why you shouldn't be or shouldn't have the the level of players or the level of names at United and there's no reason your your the revenue stream everything goes up and up every year for United and yeah. it's no different to back yeah. then like there's no real United is still United and still have the everything they had back then obviously you don't have Sir Alex Ferguson mm. But they, yeah, there's just no. The only reason is is just tight owners that yeah. don't care about football and don't know anything about football. Bang on, yeah. And I think that's where United need to, United fans need to direct their, their anger. Getting talking about things like the keepers and De Gea and Henderson and other things like that. It's it's irrelevant, really. I think United mm. fans need to direct all of their annoyance at and frustration at the owners, because that's. It's irrelevant talking about Ollie, and even if you are Ollie out or if someone else, it's just irrelevant at this point because then it doesn't matter what manager is going to yeah, come in unless you change, get these yeah. owners out. It isn't going to change unless no. you get lucky with a crop of players, which I think they're hoping for. Yeah, and there's definitely yeah, there's definitely loads of positive signs that I've seen this season. We are playing good football at, at times, and yeah, the. The, the the morale in the camps is a lot better than it was under sort of Van Gaal, Mourinho. But yeah, like you're saying, till we need to win a trophy. It's, it's all good talking about progress and stuff and betting last season. Oh, we've gone from third to second, but you need something to show for it at the end of the day. And last night was a perfect opportunity to sort of get that first one in the bag for that group of players, give them the confidence. That could have really given them the confidence of going on next season and challenging for bigger things. And whether they're good enough next season to win them, it doesn't. But it still gives them that confidence in the back of their head that they they've got over the line in the final. And now we're just and, and rightly so we're just going to be called the nearly men every year. Last year it was a semi final hoodoo that we couldn't get over. People say, oh maybe now now we've got to a final. Maybe next year will be where we win the final. But it just it's just so disappointing because I was really really going into that last night expecting to see some of them players that I've waited so long to see lift a trophy, but. It just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. I think it will come. It will come, but and it's just disappointing. It is disappointing. It's just one of them games, really. Yeah, it was a horrible just, game, really. Like you said, it is fine margins. And but fair play to Villarreal. Yeah. Smash and grab that did the job. Should we move on to the Champions League final tomorrow? <laughs> God, has that really got happened as well? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, mate. <laughs> it's obviously Chelsea-Man City. Since Tuchel has taken over at Chelsea... They beat City on both occasions. 1-0 in the FA Cup semi-final. And then 2-1 away from home in the league. Pep has won all other four matchups between the two prior to those two games. How do you see the two manager- managerial styles complement each complementing each other? How do you see this game going? Um, well, I think, like you say, obviously Tuchel in the last couple of games has done really well against Guardiola. Um, nullified... City's threat on both of them occasions, and but I still, but I think on both of them games, City made a lot of changes. I think when they lost in the league, it was sort of I think they made nine changes from the PSG game before. Both occasions, the port started ahead of Stones. Yeah, 
match in the league they played three at the back yeah. city so that's the thing with Chelsea you can't you, they're still yet to to play Man City's fully fit and firing first 11 which I think you obviously you're going to see on Saturday in terms of how the game go thing, I can't really look any further at the moment than, than the City win unfortunately well I don't really know obviously I don't want City to win it but it wouldn't be the best thing anyway would it Chelsea winning it I, <laughs> as a United yeah. But, but yeah definitely don't want City to win it but Pep spoke about them after the game against Everton at the weekend and um, was saying like he'd never been so confident in his players going into the game and he's really really confident and I've, I've, I'm sort of pretty confident that Man City will get the job done to be honest I think they they look they're now that team that people used to call Man City the nearly men a few years ago didn't they a bit like United are now getting to finals semi-finals losing them I mean, they've still got a lot to prove. Oh, yeah, they've got a lot to prove. And it, it is literally, talking about fine margins, mm. this is Massive. Pep's legacy on the line. Yeah, because he's won Premier Leagues before for City and League Cups, and that's what this, this is what the City fans want. They want that Champions League. So, this, yeah, Saturday is massive because that would, again, like Solskjaer, obviously, City, regardless whether they win that win on Saturday or not, they've obviously had a much more successful season in United, but. In you've got a, in relevant terms, it's this is how Solskjaer and they'll both be judged on. Solskjaer would have been judged last night on the Europa League, and Guardiola will be judged on Saturday. Not where he's won the Premier League because with that squad, Man City have got they should be winning the Premier League anyway. Well, this is it. I don't actually think it's that impressive. If they say they at the end of this season they finish with a league and a Carabao Cup, I mean the Carabao Cup should be called the depth cup because <laughs> City win it every year yeah. it's no coincidence they win it every year because all other clubs just play their second string teams and yeah and City's City, second yeah. string team are, they are, would come second in the league City's second string team right? yeah, you're prob- yeah you're not wrong and it's the same with the Premier League this season City were always going to win I've said it before City were always going to win this league and I don't think it's that impressive of an achievement the, the lack of rest other sides have been getting and just the sheer amount of players they've got and the depth they they have, hmm. it's not that impressive. A league and a, a Carabao Cup, obviously, there's no kind of argument for Pep out or anything like that. And it's still a good season, but yeah. nothing that's going to get me out of my seat. No, well, it, I think unless they win the Champions League, which you, you cannot take anything away from them. Then no, I think in the in league terms, I think it was always that case of at the start of the season, it's always going to be City Liverpool going for that title but I think City obviously they started off pretty poorly I think they were about ninth or 10th after like 6 or 7 games but I think I think with Guardiola I think as soon as he saw that drop off from Liverpool the Van Dijk injury the Gomez one I think as soon as he saw that drop off it was sort of like a straight straight clear road wasn't it for City to the title because Liverpool really were the only team that could match them if they were a fully fit squad and as soon as Liverpool are out the out of the reckoning, City, yeah, they had a pretty much. I know United were top for what about four days or something. But every <laughs> team as well went for a bit of a rocky period. Yeah, yeah. Even City at yeah. the start of the season, but all other teams have. I mean, as a Leicester fan, I know we missed yeah. out in the end, but I don't think we were that brilliant this season. I don't yeah. think we overachieved particularly with the with the players we've got. No. Yeah, I've said it to you before that. I don't think we should overthink this season. No, no, not at all. And I know that might sound ridiculous as we're recording a podcast talking about this season. But 
it's true. Like this season, when fans come back into the ground like full capacity, I really think I don't know how much we'll remember this season to be yeah. honest. And I think a lot of players will change. I think you'll see a, a lot of players that maybe go in them into themselves a bit and maybe not perform at the heights they were at. And then you'll also see a lot of players that will come improve, out of the show, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, maybe that had, maybe the fans being there last night had something to do with it with a few of them United players. You can't un- underestimate like the impact fans have in on all sports. It's like you see in like the Olympics. Yeah, when it's when a country is playing at home, like England or in you know, England, UK, London, twenty twelve, the countries elevate like what they they achieve. Yeah, fans have a huge impact mm. in both ways, positive and negative. Yeah, definitely, mate. I think if you're a side like Sheffield United or like a Fulham or a West Brom, you really do feel hard done by, yeah, I think, by this do. season. Yeah, Sheffield United especially. I think I said it near the start of the season. I always thought they were going to be in trouble, Sheffield United, because uh, they were sort of like the new Stoke. It was, you go to Bramwell Lanes, close to the pitch, the fans are, it's hostile, it's just non-stop, and, isn't it, last season? And always, I always feared for them as soon as fans, because I think even when fans were out the ground in Project Restart last year, they were, they, I think they lost about six of the last seven games, and it was always sort of just sort of filtered into next season. I don't want to go on a fun tangent about Sheffield United, <laughs> but yeah, just, your point is, yeah, your point does stand. It fans have a massive impact, and Huge. even more so, I do think on them smaller clubs because that's what they rely on. When they say if you one one nil up against. Uh, a City or United at home, so if you're Fulham, the things that the them things that get you through them games, them last twenty minutes of the crowd getting behind you and yeah, reacting to every tackle, every interception. Sticking with the fans and then keeping it with the Champions League final as well. Did you see? Um, they've re- Chelsea have have returned eight hundred unsold yeah. tickets. They were part of a charter package which subsidised flights at two hundred pound. Um, the Chelsea Supporter Trust Board member, Dan Silver, said UEFA's lack of care for fans has again come to the fore. Went on to say selling tickets for up to €400 Euros for a limited access final with unnecessary travel is outrageous when there were obvious solutions closer to home. So it's just more examples of fans, just even at this point where we should be so mm. eager to get fans back into it and get the the atmosphere going. Yeah, it may it actually makes me feel sick the amount of like corporate stuff going on at these games and just mm. fans being priced out of it. Yeah, well, I think the the fact that they couldn't come to the conclusion that two English sides playing in the Champions League final, it wouldn't have been better to bring it to England I mean, they might have st- it doesn't even have to be Wembley Stadium they'll say no but the playoff finals on on the same day Does, how many stadiums have England and if you haven't a reduced capacity anyway you don't need Wembley Stadium someone said Villa Park yeah have it at Villa Park I suppose the argument is from the wider football world is that everything seems to happen in England and we can't yeah. have everything and it does it, it helps these places that have, it does host help. these finals yeah of course but it's still not going to be the same sort of normal Champions League final is it even in Lisbon it's gonna it's just it's just baffling I don't, I don't know how they didn't think it would be a good idea to bring it close to home in terms of players to look out for in the Champions League final who you think is going to dictate the game who do you think is in who's the most important players for each side 
I mean, Diaz springs to mind for me, obviously. Yeah, Fernandinho, if yeah. he starts. Or him or Rodri. I think Rodri's really, really underrated and what his job at City. I think he goes under the radar a lot. It reminds you, I think we were talking, weren't we? It reminds us a lot of sort of like a Michael Carrick, but a bit more of a sort of like robust, yeah. better defensively. But he's just one of them similar sort of players that goes under the radar of everything he does, does all the dirty work. But I still think he's a massive part of what City do, Rodri. Chelsea have had a boost. Um, it looks like Mendy and Kante are going to be fit for the final. Is Mendy a boost? What? <laughs> Over Kepper, I'd think so. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant Benjamin Mendy. No, no, City, yeah, Chelsea. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a boost, yeah. Because I'm not sure. Yeah, Kepa's just Kepa, isn't he? But um, I like Jorginho and Kante as well in midfield. Kante's a massive one. Yeah, he's played in so many big games in his career now. Champ World Cup finals. Do you think as well with City? I think it's unlikely that they'll play with a number nine. I think I don't think either Jesus or Aguero have done enough to get in. No. Um. Do you think with Kante there and Kante and Jorginho both being quite deep line midfielders, I think that could kind of neutralise that threat of the false nine? Possibly, but it always just seemed like Pep has a way of getting around everything, doesn't it? He'd have looked at all possibilities and you it's so hard to talk, even talking now, it's so hard to even pick out who you think the, the most important players are going to be on Saturday because you never know who's going to play for Pep and where they're going to play. I think for Chelsea, the an important part of the pitch and bit they've they've kind of shored up is that right hand side and Aspilicueta Aspilicueta yeah. right wing back and then Reese James at the right centre back yeah it's really interesting yeah like, you'd obviously you'd, normally you'd have expect it to be the other yeah, way around exactly. wouldn't you? yeah I think a big I think a big part of where this game could be won or lost is on that um, right hand City's right hand side so going at whether whether they go with Alonso or Chilwell for Chelsea obviously you'd expect Mahrez to start but Mares, Cancelo or Walker, it's going to be a big part of that pitch where I think it could be won or lost, really. Because I think Mares is in such good form, especially in Champions League. I think Maybe. he'll fancy himself against yeah, Chilwell. Yeah. I think he'll fancy himself against both of them, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting watch. I, I can't really can't really call how it's going to go, to be honest. It is always hard looking forward to a game yeah. kind of predicting how it's going to turn out you just can't predict it really mm, can no. you especially when there's two managers that are so they are sort of two elite managers aren't they and they can it's just going to be interesting who who outdoes who this time like yeah i just want it first five minutes will be a, like a good indicator of how both teams are set up i think and how they i think the first five or ten minutes in this game might tell the story of how the whole game might go I think they'll both managers will pay each other a lot of respect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah. It would not surprise me if it's a quite a low scoring game. Yeah, one yeah, one or two, no one maybe. But just be interested to see if Tuchel allows Pep's side to have a lot of the ball, whether they press high up the pitch. Just interesting, yeah. isn't it? Whether they'll whether City come straight out the blocks at them, I'm not sure. Yeah, or whether yeah, whether Chelsea will just try and weather the storm a bit. I think that's always a dangerous way to go against City is trying to weather the yeah, storm yeah I think, I think Chelsea need to come out in that opening 20 minutes and really go for it yeah because City are as much as City are an amazing side and they are by far the best team probably in Europe at the moment it's, they're still not a team that really really get strike fear into you on the counter do they it's, it's almost their best work is when they sort of build up through the midfield they just gradually weigh you down and weigh you down then they'll play that pass through but on the counter attack when they say they've not got Sterling starting or Jesus, they haven't got bundles of pace up up on that f- 
top top side of the pitch. So, yeah, I think Chelsea just need to get in their faces and go for them early on. Mate, that first goal will be massive, I think. I think if City get that first goal, then it could just end up being a 1-2-3-0 City. But I think Chelsea get that first goal could make it really hard, really hard night for City. I agree. I think it is that don't let City pen you in. No, because yeah. it's very hard to get out of that. Yeah, and it's what, such a cliche saying, isn't it? The first goal is massive, but in the Champions League final, the first goal is huge. Yeah, and what once City get you where they want them, it's very hard to get out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In terms of predictions, what are you going for? I'm going to go for two nil Man City. I think I'm going to go two one Man City after extra time. Oh, scorers. Going to go first goal scorer. I'm going to go with Bernardo Silva. Yeah. And then a Sergio Aguero goal off the bench. Do you think? Maybe. don't even know if it'll feature me. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Uh, let yeah. me think. So I said 2-1 City. I think Mario's will get a goal. I can see, see Gundogan. Someone like Rodri score. I'm going to go Rodri first goal. <laughs> Hopefully he starts. Rodri first goal. Um, and then I think Pool. I think Mount will bring one back, and then I think Maris might win, get the winner in extra in extra time if he lasts that long. I don't know if Maris has got 120 minutes in him. Yeah. yeah. Should we move on to a part of the episode that I was dreading? Well, I've had to do my part, so yeah. Let's try and so yeah, we haven't actually have we done a podcast since last game of the season. No, first one. No. So yeah, the last game of the season happened. We were all round mine and it felt like Leicester had done it, to be honest. Yeah, especially with Chelsea losing. Yeah, and I just, what was Spurs doing? Like, <laughs> why did Spurs... You kept, get, you kept saying this on Sunday, you were fuming with Spurs that they actually wanted to try and win the match. I know, <laughs> I know they got into their little Europa Conference League or whatever. It's just so frustrating. Like, it's just so frustrating. And I hate people that put that bottle in label on us and and brendan and luckily we won the fa cup so you can't do that and my overriding feeling about it all is that we will remember the fa cup you don't the top fours and stuff they're nice but we're never going to win i can't say never but it's very unlikely that we'll win the champions league so winning an fa cup for what it meant to the club and being the first time in the history i think it means far more and as the kind of disappointment fades away, the yeah, the, I'm not going to get myself too caught up on it. In terms of what went wrong, I mean, I've got a few things written down, and obviously, isn't there isn't one issue? There's a, it's a whole host of problems that, have, and it is hard because Leicester. I know from people I know that have supported teams that experienced relegations and just teams that haven't had anything to be happy about for a long period of time and I'm very aware of how fortunate as a Leicester fan I am but for me and I know people talk about Leicester's transfer now and we've obviously probably got one of the best transfer records or histories in in the league in the Premier League in world football it feels like we neglected certain positions. And on the wing, for example, I mean, Harvey Barnes is a huge part of our success and an unbelievable talent. And he does just offer that ability to just pop up on his own and score score from anywhere. And 
we really missed that. And I know we had under in on loan, but that seemed like, a, again, one of those kind of Van der Beek signings where Rodgers may have been shown a few names that we can sign this player. Do you want to get him in? Like, And I reckon Rodgers just thought, get him in. May as well, but Rodgers didn't like him, clearly. No. Never got played. Yeah, I thought that was a part of us that was a real weakness and kind of led to our downfall because we didn't really have anything else. So the reliance on Ian Acho, it was obviously a lucky break for Rodgers and everyone. Like, no one could have expected what Ian Acho would have done. No. What would have happened if Ian Acho wasn't there? Yeah, but do you, with Inacho, do you think it's a, a sort of a, a large purple patch, or do you think he, he has got the ability to perform at this level for well for the next five six years of his career? Well, he's how old is he? he must twenty four, probably twenty five. Yeah, can't be old. Can't. Yeah, something around that. With Inacho, it's hard because the talent is definitely there. Yeah, absolutely. And his eye for goal is yeah, it's one that's definitely there. It's ridiculous, and I've people from people we know that. I've seen him training. Apparently, in training, he's better than Vardy. That's what I've heard. Yeah. And it's, yeah, without doubt, the talent's there. Whether it's a purple patch or not is kind of yet to be seen, really. But again, it doesn't really change my point that what if Iheanacho, what if we would have been nowhere? And the fact we got we got given a win against you, we got given a free three points that no other team in the league got given. And we still couldn't get it. Chelsea. Did literally bottled it last game of the season. I mean, that's what thing we're talking about Chelsea in the Champions League final. Yeah, they bottled Champions League. We just didn't take it off them. Yeah, you know I mean? they they handed us Champions League football on a plate. Yeah, we just said no, we don't want it. Well, I think as a, I think as an outsider, someone that's not a Leicester fan, I think it's 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 very easy to say sort of look at that last game of the season and say, oh, you could say Leicester bottled it there or against Tottenham and obviously they should have capitalised on Chelsea but I think it's games are sort of ones against Newcastle at home and the, you've, I think have you, you lost to Fulham at home yeah, West Ham Leeds. I'm not saying anything about West Ham they're yeah. good they've had a great season but there's games isn't there Palace away I think a few weeks ago was maybe a draw yeah. it's just some sort of and it happens with it's very similar it happens with United but you could have been uh, a bit, little, little bit closer to City if we hadn't lost silly points at home to sort of like Sheffield United and that. But yeah, I think it, it, in the hindsight you can always say oh, Leicester sort of bottled it on the last day of the season, but it is an accumulation of sort of poor results here and there throughout the season, and and it's it's disappointing. It must be it must be really disappointing as a Leicester fan because it did look as if I think they're about nine points clear in February, weren't they? Of, yeah, and it's we've been in the and the fact that it's happened two seasons on the road, the last day of the season must be sort of gutting. For been in the fan. top four this season for two hundred and forty-two days. I think the next lowest was like one hundred and sixty, and I think City had been in the top four for about one hundred and forty days, one hundred and fifty days. Exactly. Yeah, we've been in we've been in the top four for around one hundred days longer than City. Man, so and I think out. last season you were in the top four for longer than any team yeah. as well. Another part as well, and we were speaking about Solskjaer with substitutions. I think Rogers is is similar when it comes to, and I don't like this label of bottling on um, on Rogers because he does everything right, and there has to be a certain element of it has to be put down to his players. At the end of the day, when they cross the white line, and it comes down to this last the last games where really push comes to shove, 
Yeah. The manager can't do much. There is only so much a manager can do, isn't there? And he's shown his tactical nous and his that he can get teams winning and obviously we love him at Leicester Rogers and if you're a Leicester fan that wants Rogers out, you need to you need to brain rewire him because he's evident what he's done for us and the mm. way and it's it's done in a way of a way we play nice football. Yeah. It's enjoyable to watch as well and yeah, well, it's just you, that final it, last season against Bournemouth. We were winning half time, and Ian Acho had done brilliantly in the first half. For some reason, Rogers decides to take Ian Acho off at half time, and we all know what happened. Dominic Solanke scores a brace after I'd call him, called him the worst striker in Premier League <laughs> history that day. And then, certain, and I know there'll be more examples that I can't remember, but again, this week, last game of the season, take Madison off in like the 60th minute. I understand maybe he was unfit, but he looked all right. And Madison's ball retention would just be so important to have on the pitch at that period when we're trying to just keep the ball off Tottenham. I think we, if we brought on an Iose Perez or someone like that who gives you legs, and I do like Iose Perez, but yeah, it's just weird decisions at, at strange times that do end up cost, costing us. Like Spurs only needed one goal, and as soon as they got one goal, you look you look at what who we had on the pitch. Didn't have anyone that was really going to do anything. We had Ian Acho and Vardy on, but neither of them are going to create anything, are they? You need a Madison on the pitch, and Madison's a real disappointment this season for me. And I know he'll be he'll be disappointed in himself, but I don't know. He's he's getting to a stage now where he's going to be given responsibility. He's a senior player in the dressing room on the pitch and he is really at that stage where he's kind of we'll see where Madison's career is going to go and there's there's no limits where his his career could go Madison if he really wanted it Hmm. he could be playing for England he could be in a top four side I just don't know with Madison if whether he's fallen victim to the fact that Leicester, there won't be as much pressure playing for Leicester. It will be a different environment to being at a Man United or a Chelsea or a Man City where winning trophies is is customary and it has to happen. With Leicester, we are still in a position where if we win a trophy or whatever, if we yeah, if we win a trophy, then it is very much a feeling of just appreciating what we have and we realise it might not last for too long or do still feel have that underdog mentality. The likes of Mount and Foden, who are in this high-pressure environment. I think that's why you see these players get to that level. And I think Madison's just taken his foot off the pedal a bit. Yeah, I think maybe he's fallen victim, sort of believing his own hype a little bit. Possibly. And there's a lot of distractions off the field as well with Madison. And I'm not obviously I'm not saying that he needs to live a life like a monk and never go out or whatever. He obviously enjoys his life, but... There just seems to be distractions all the time, whether it's brand deals. And again, I'm not saying don't do that kind of thing, but it's a lot. And it's always the timing of things. I mean, we had this, obviously, the COVID party as well. And I don't think that can go, that can go really unspoken of the the impact that had on the group of players. Just before the West Ham game, biggest game of the season, really. It was Madison that really disappointed me in all that because the likes of Chowdhury and Perez... We know they're not going to go on to have international careers or go on to have these ridiculous careers, and I don't, ex- I kind of expect this kind of mistake from them. A party before biggest game of the season, still 
dis- very disappointing, but I'd expect it. Madison, the amount of ambitions that he's got and could have gone to the Euros. If Madison had really got his head down, there should be an argument between him and Lingard, but there isn't. There's no argument. No. And Madison's been the better player for the last three or four years. Yeah. But there doesn't seem to be any because Madison's made it made Southgate's choice very easy for himself. Yeah, yeah. If it's, it's that sort of he he just needs to work. He just needs to work a bit harder. at sort of bringing himself back from adversity. Sort of a look at someone. Obviously, I don't want to talk about a United player all the time, but someone like Mason Greenwood who had similar sort of issue with Madison. Sort of that the Iceland thing, and he's worked his way back into the England squad through hard work getting his head down and putting in their performances and Madison's just sort of gone the other way hasn't he they, they are they are at different stages yeah, of their career very, yeah but they're not too dissimilar they're, they're still two young players And but I think there's a lot more pressure on Madison now to really be that kind of senior figure and I mean he's not young Madison he's about 24 I think he's 25 now to be fair and I, it just really disappoints me and I know the kind of guy he is because I know he is ambitious and I know he wants to achieve everything he can achieve, but it's just whether he realises the sacrifice that's going to need to be made to get there. Do you think there might be a lack of kind of winners in that dressing room? And I know it sounds ridiculous to say because you've got Vardy, you've got... When we stay on Vardy, in terms of a leadership... And a player, his presence on the pitch alone is enough, but I don't ever get the feeling that Vardy's much of a leader. No. Gets on with his job, and he, like I said, his presence alone is enough, but they ever get the feeling that he's kind of orchestrating things on the pitch. Doesn't strike me as a captain, not that I'm expecting him to be. Schmeichel again. Yeah, I'd he probably a, say Johnny Evans probably the biggest leader. But th- this is it. What was what I was about to say? Like as soon as you saw Johnny Evans go out the side, yeah, it's so yeah, everything kind of falls apart. Yeah, I generally do think Leicester would have got in that top four if it weren't for them last four or five games where Evans was in and out of the squad. Out of anyone, he's the most important player in Leicester squad. You can say Vardy, you could say, or oh, well, maybe Barnes or someone or anyone. So many players in DD. I think in DD and. Uh, Evans definitely the two two most important players to how that whole team performs and plays. I think it just gives Evans gives that calmness presence around him to sort of see. Un- you I mean you look at Siuntu when he's not got Evans alongside him. He's made some he's made a couple of shockers, isn't he? Re- in the last few games. Yeah, no, he's, he's a great, great, good defender, very good defender, Siuntu. But I think without that calming presence of Evans talking through the game and helping him, I think he's he has struggled a little bit. Yeah, I think. Overall, it's the success of a season, but it's always still going to be a disappointing one, isn't it, when you spend so long in the top four. But what could you do? Go again? Absolutely. I think you've just got to go again. I I just can't be bothered with Europa League. I hate it. <laughs> Absolutely hate this it. This is the thing, you know, I've, I've felt this as a United fan as well when we finished just outside the top four on a few occasions. It's, it's one that you, you get that feeling, don't you, of... You'd rather just finish eighth rather than fifth, wouldn't you? Yeah. Because you don't. And it's, I, God, I really do feel for Tottenham fans of Conference League. <laughs> what is that about? I mean, yeah, we can talk about that for a minute. That like, should be. That should sort of be like a. You can you can pick whether you want to go in that or not. If you finish in the, you can't force people to go. Into Who's going to watch that? The Europa Conference League. 
Oh, mate, it's going to be absolutely horrendous. Dreadful. When are they going to play that? Like Thursday mid-morning. <laughs> <laughs> Half 10 kick-off on a Thursday. <laughs> but yeah, with Leicester, I think that's about it. I think that's all I want to say on the matter. Overall, I just... My main feeling is, is that at the minute, where we're in this uh, period of not really knowing where we fit in, because we were a relegation side a few years ago. Then I thought I'd be lucky to be a mid-table side and then I thought we'd be lucky to be Europa top League. Eight, yeah. And now we've been challenging for top four and winning FA Cups. It really is hard to understand where what your expectations should be as a Leicester fan because it is distorted. And I don't know any other football fan that kind of experienced what mm. we've experienced, really. It's been a bit of just a, a just a fairy tale as a football fan. Yeah. But I do think because of that kind of being in the middle of and not really knowing our identity, it kind of means we have players that have different ambitions and that you can yeah. see there's certain players that are just happy to have a f- career and are happy to be playing in the Premier League. But there are certain players that, that want to go to want to go to the top of the game. Yeah. And I think you need, it's quite hard sometimes to have different players that have very different ambitions yeah. and, well, don't you? Yeah, but you could you could probably just say that I don't know how you feel as an actual match-going Leicester supporter, but it must be just surely that's just like the magic of almost being a Leicester fan is you don't really have concrete expectations of what you're going to do in that next season. Like next season, yeah, you could probably get a lot of Leicester fans saying we have to get top four next season. Now we can't bottle it three years in a row, but from a club that's come from League One to Championship to winning the Premier League and stuff it's sort of it seems like it must feel like at most things are a bonus as a Leicester oh, fan absolutely no like, absolutely I still have that feeling and that's what that's the sort of feeling that maybe other like supporters of like me for example or other people don't really miss out on because you almost get too caught up on what you should be doing rather than enjoying what you are doing yeah and I think that's probably the main thing Leicester need to remember is yeah just don't get too caught up about falling outside of a top four because it, it's not the be all and end all yeah it might bring in you some extra revenue and it might bring in a couple of extra top players but you for the journey you just you may as well just enjoy it and just take every season that it comes because I, I think you I think despite falling out of the top four Leicester are in a very very privileged position and oh, I'd, I, I'd, 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 ca- I'd kill to have a, an owner like uh, top yeah I no. mean that's that's what you should be most. That's I think that's bigger than any sort of league position or title at the moment. When we've happened with the Super League and the owners that we've got and the owners at all the other clubs, I think if I was a Leicester fan, forget FA Cups, top fours, Champions League places, new signings, big wages, these big players. The main thing is having that that community feel still at Leicester, and I think that's something that Leicester fans should be really proud of well, Absolutely. regardless of where they finish or if people call them bottlers or not I echo everything you just said there and I don't want anyone to think that I'm not that I don't appreciate the position yeah. I'm in as a Leicester fan yeah. I've I've said to you before that I think I support the best team on the planet and the literally yeah. like the, the most enjoyable team and the best owners Yeah, everything about it and it's not having that feeling as well of yeah, we might be in the good times at the moment, but I'm not worried about where the club's going in the future, in the next 20, 30 years. I know the club's on its way up. Like, even, I just know that whatever they do, it will be done sensibly. 
So we're not going to end up in a position where we've got a load of debt or... Yeah, I just... It is a nice position to yeah. be in where you can just enjoy everything and you don't know what's going to come next season and you can just enjoy the football. And that is the way that every club should be. Yeah, It's what we need to aspire to be like. And these are the kind of people that... I understand we're going to need rich people in our game. We're going to need investors. But why can't we have investors that are going to ensure that they're going to invest into communities, they're going to continue to invest, but sensibly and... They're going to have football people in charge. Why can't we aspire to having owners like every club having owners yeah. like Top and and obviously Vishag? But we'll move on. We'll move on to some transfer news. You want to just round? To yeah, yeah. So we've seen Zidane has decided to leave Real Madrid. Yeah. Bit of a just think it's just kind of his his racist run at Real yeah, Madrid. I think yeah, two spells there. I think he's. Well, he's won four, three Champions Leagues, league titles, and there's not really much. I think he probably feels he's probably to that team as far as he can put. And it's, I think he, I think he knows as well. There's a massive rebuilding job there, yeah. sort of similar to sort of what Fergie must have felt like when he left. I think he knew that was a big job on his hands, and he probably wasn't. And it, and it, it will be interesting. I hope, I don't hope he doesn't just walk away from football. I don't think he would, but Zidane, you never know, but. Be interesting to see what how he will fare at another club where he that he doesn't know. He's never and really out. been tested, has he? No, he's always had sort of. He's, had, he's I mean, he's obviously a brilliant manager. But he's only. But when you have only done it at one team, and I'm not disputing his achievements, but for me, once you've when you've only done it at one team, you can't. You got to go and prove it elsewhere. For me, personally, yeah. I'd like to see him at. Um, I'd love to see him go to Juventus because he used to play for Juventus as well, didn't he? And they've. They've got a job on their hands, haven't they? So, and I can't really see Perlo sticking around. I think he's had a pretty torrid time at Juventus. Yeah, I think you've seen two ends of the scale with Sedan and Perlo, kind of two legends gone yeah. in, and it's gone One very end. differently. Yeah, but um, with Sedan as well, you just can't dispute. And I know there is always this debate around a manager and the players they've got, and but with Sedan, you can't argue with the players no. he had. <laughs> like he no. had ridiculous team. Like yeah. Prime Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. Benzema and Bale. It was the last breed of the proper Galacticos, really. Mm. Yeah, it feels like football's missing that now. Yeah, I, I miss them days of sort of turning your telly on and when you were fourteen, fifteen, on a Sunday night, and just being able to watch Barcelona or Real Madrid play with all these amazing players. Prime Ronaldo, yeah, Messi. just such an enjoyable time. Absolutely. Going back to Leicester, so Leicester and Belgium, Belgium midfielder. Yuri Tielemans is on Liverpool's lists of targets if they choose to replace departing 30-year-old Netherlands midfielder Jorginho Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum's going to Barcelona, it looks like. Nice. Good signing for the Barca. Yeah. Sit, I think he fits their bill very well. <laughs> is it, they really don't want to spend a lot of money, do they? No, they've got, they've, I think they've... I think Depay, I think he's... Depay, Depay and... Depay, Aguero. Aguero, yeah. And now uh, Wijnaldum. Oh, yeah, they haven't got a lot of money. <laughs> I just, are those three signings going to take Barcelona back to the to where yeah, they were? I don't I think, think Barcelona are sort of stuck in a bit of bit of a conundrum where they can't really do too much with the finances they've got. I do, yeah, Barcelona is a weird one. Like, yeah. they they were, they've gone from, from a powerhouse. They were sort of, you couldn't get near them a few years ago now. I don't know how to describe them. They're turning, they almost look like they're turning into a bit of like an AC Milan or something. It's when you get these 
players and set of players and managers that define a club and define a, a generation literally a define a generation of a club and yeah Barcelona is Lionel Messi well Lionel Messi is Barcelona and Xavi was Barcelona and Iniesta and one and it's like the same at Real Madrid Ronaldo was Real Madrid and Benzema and Ramos and Modric Exactly. They define and how do you, how on earth do you go about replacing that? No. You just yeah, it's always going to be some sort of come down, isn't it, for any sort of fans or of them sort of clubs? Even Real Madrid, how can you? They've gone from obviously they're still a good team, but they've yeah they've gone from watching Bale, Ronaldo, and these sort of players to sort of like Lucas Vasquez and Vinicius. It's just but it's just a way football, the football cycle works, isn't it? You can't have riches forever. Where have they gone wrong? Like, when you really think about Real Madrid and Barcelona, they're in very similar positions right now. They're kind of, they're, I mean, Ronaldo and Messi, we can't dispute their the impact they would have had on a team. Any team that would have had the pleasure of having them yeah. in that period of time. You just think maybe once... Real Madrid and Barcelona had those squads. If they just invested more in youth and top quality youth, yeah, that's the only way you can kind of bridge the gap because you're never going to be able to go out with any money in the world. You're never going to be able to replace a Ramos or a, a Messi or a, a Ronaldo. You're never going to be able to really replace them. It doesn't no. matter how much money you throw. You like it's just, yeah. I don't know. It, it's so hard and. I don't know how they're going to come back from it, to be honest. I can't see an easy way back for Ronaldo's. Well, not Ronaldo. Real Madrid and, and, and yeah. Barcelona. Unless they get a That's just fine. a freak talent that comes through their academy or a crop mm. of players that just turn out to be good. I mean, we haven't had, we haven't even seen them have to deal with a period like this, have we? No, never. I can't remember in my lifetime. No, no, never. And you obviously had with, with Barcelona and the Real Madrid's the, before the Messi's and you had the... Ronaldinho's and the R9s and, and the real Galacticos yeah and you they did manage to bridge that gap and kind of bring the new players for or what they were the what yeah they were the new players then brought the Messi's and brought them through with yeah the originals looking mm. down and kind of watching them through I don't know you don't really see that in football nowadays no yeah football nowadays teams are just sort of clumped of one group of players and then it just sort of flips over to the next sort of group of players doesn't it it's never really you don't really see much of a mould of no. older and newer generations coming through players don't seem to stick around for I as think long as they yeah. used to either and I also think that's a lot to do with managers not sticking around for as long yeah managers come in and uh, managers just there's so many like you say it's a game of opinions and every every manager is going to have a different view on each player so when the when the manager's only there for a season or two however, there's no way you can build a team consistently because no manager's going to want every single player that the previous manager did. Yeah. Premier League clubs will have to wait until July before approaching Barcelona over a deal for 28-year-old Brazil forward Felipe Coutinho. Arsenal and Everton are, are thought to be interested. Be a very Everton signing that one. <laughs> yeah. I could see him at Everton. Be a very Arsenal signing oh, as well. Would he go to Everton after he's been at Liverpool? Nah, surely not. I don't know. I've I seen think... at Arsenal but Depends how much integrity he's got and how much. And our, it fits Arsenal's build, doesn't he? On loan, unwanted La Liga yeah. <laughs> midfielder. <laughs> he's only going to be, yeah. 
I just don't know. I've I've not seen Felipe Coutinho play at a high level for a long period of that time. It's crazy at the crossroads, isn't it? Yeah, really? it has been for a long time. Yeah, well, since he left Liverpool. Really. Yeah, it did always have that feeling at Liverpool as well that he was kind of people thought he was their best player and their most important player, but they seemed to improve when they got rid of him. Yeah, Gianluigi Donnarumma. 22-year-old, he's out of contract. Yeah, I don't know how Milan have allowed that to happen. I think he's allowed it himself. He's Mino Iola. Yeah. That's, I think um, Milan are offering them around £7 million a year, plus £1 million in bonuses. I think Donnarumma and, well, Raiola would have been telling Donnarumma that he wanted £12 million a year, which is a, it's almost double the money, really. And um, I think it, they've been trying to get, they've offered him a few contracts, been trying to get it over the line, but it's sensible from Donnarumma, though, in but terms of a money-making... Yeah. And they've just signed um, Mike Mangan from Lille, who's a, he is a good keeper. And it's a good signing at £15 million, But, yeah, I don't know where Donnarumma could... I think... Says so they're a target for Manchester United and Chelsea. Yeah, well, I could see that happening, maybe. If they're not... If they're not I feel like David Day, it probably was his last game, in it, unfortunately, last night, mm. in the United shirt. The way it ended, I just... It's horrible to see, really, but... What, do you think that means definitely Henderson's the man? I don't know. Whether Solskjaer thinks, you know what, I want someone who's proper and ready now. Even Henderson's older than Donnarumma, but obviously Donnarumma, he's a, he is an elite keeper. Right, and he would, I'd like him at United if we were to thinking of getting rid of Well, we've just signed Tom Heaton as well. Well, yeah. going to sign him, but maybe, sure maybe, maybe, number one. maybe they're thinking of getting rid of Henderson and Hay, I don't know. It'd be a surprise. Yeah. It would be a surprise, and especially the amount you'd think the amount of other kind of transfer yeah. business you're going to have to do yeah. in a relatively short period of time because of the obviously players aren't going to be making moves during the Euros. Yeah, I did see a Donnarumma linked to Barca, and apparently Barca were maybe going to cash in on Stegen, but yeah, I don't know. see that happening. Uh, how about we'll finish on um, Brazil winger Rafinha at Leeds. Mm. He says he's not thinking about leaving Leeds, despite speculation linking him with Manchester United and Liverpool. Yeah. I I think it's unlikely that he'd stay if an offer came in. He's not going to come out and say he's going to leave. No. I do think if a if a top side could go in for him, he'd be he'd a great signing. Him, yeah. I think. yeah, but then again, I don't think it... I think it wouldn't be any harm of him doing another season at Leeds. No, definitely Because uh, I think Leeds will probably go from strength to strength next season. Maybe challenge for Europa League spots, but it'd be interesting to see. I'd like him to stay in the Premier League, though, if anything, because you often see sometimes a lot of these um, overseas players, they do have, obviously they want to play in the Premier League, but they also have ambitions to play at sort of like the top clubs in, in Spain and Italy and stuff. But I, still, I don't think that attraction is there as much anymore. Do you not think with United, in terms of the fact that you need other right positions, winger. do you not think maybe get a, a Rafinha who'd be a bit him, cheaper yeah. than a Sancho? Yeah. And then you can go in for a, maybe a CDM as well or a, a centre-back. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be a good way of doing it, to be honest. But um, I think they're going to go all out for Sancho, I think. I think it'll be a wrapped up pretty. It seems almost to be like a pride thing. They've United. They've yeah. said they want Sancho and they're gonna get him now. Yeah, I think they will get him as well. Yeah, which it'll be a good signing, but it's sort of papering over cracks if it if it's their only signing. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna finish there, guys. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the episode. Um, you got anything you want to say, West? Boy. Um. Uh, we depart. No, just yeah. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it as well. 
even though it was a bit of a tough one to record. Yeah. But um sort of feel like I've let off some steam and Yeah, I think we've both, get, get we both had the now. chance to do that a bit. Um yeah. after this week I think we're gonna go into full kind of Euros mode. Mm-hmm. Um obviously let us know guys what you'd like us to talk about, any questions. A day like today where we've not there's not I think recently the topics have written themselves with the the European Super Leagues, things like that. When we have episodes like this, we're very much just willing to talk about whatever you guys want us to talk about. Any questions? I know we don't have any. Um, um, we don't have any pedigree. I mean, what we're saying doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> I mean, we won't be able to answer your questions like definitively, but we might be able to yeah. give you something. And yeah, we just we're just enjoying doing this and. We hope you enjoy listening. Yeah, if you could give us a follow, a like, whatever, whatever you want to do, that'd be great. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Cheers.